Welcome to the Branding with Video podcast, your one-stop shop to take your brand to the next level. If you're ready to learn the best tips and tricks in the industry to dominate your brand and become legendary, you've come to the right place. So strap in, listen up, and let's do this. Welcome to the Branding with Video podcast, where we help you to leverage YouTube to build your business, position yourself as the expert in your field, and to get paid doing what you love. If you want to use YouTube to stand out in your industry, this is the podcast for you. We are going to be talking about some of the mistakes that that people make when hopping on YouTube, especially when it comes to personal branding, especially when it comes to what it is that they need to do to position themselves as the expert in their field. The other thing we are going to talk about, the reasons why YouTube is probably the best platform and the most neglected platform for experts because it is so hard, because it is so difficult. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to give you a couple of actionable steps because I don't ever want you to listen to a podcast, uh, a show, any, a video, anything of mine doesn't push you to actually get better at the thing that, that you want to do most. So we're going to hop right into this. And the first thing that I want to talk about is why you need to be on YouTube, why it is that YouTube is one of the platforms that I feel like is important and essential for anyone who is trying to brand themselves as an expert, who is trying to be, and I wish I brought the book down with me, but I've been re-listening to uh, Key Person of Influence by Daniel Priestley. And the whole premise of that book is that in order to be someone who is influential, in order to be an expert and stand out in your field, you have to do a certain few things. And one of those things is that you have to position yourself on social media, that you have to position yourself online. If you just want to be an employee and kind of jump from job to job, have you know, kind of what you might feel like is a normal career, that's fine. You do not have to do these things. These are things that if you want to stand out, if you want to get paid more, if you want to do very specific things as far as choosing which clients you do or don't work with, I want to make sure that you understand that this amount of work is not for everyone. I've posted several times on social media talking about just the process of creating content like this. And it it is a full-time job for a while. And the results don't show as much as you would like when you first get going. So it is a little frustrating, but here are a couple of reasons why you need to be on YouTube. The number one reason, in my opinion, why YouTube is better than any other social media platform is far as building your personal brand goes and as far as positioning as the expert goes is the searchability of the platform and what i mean by that is while tiktok is very much trying to be more search-based and a lot of other platforms are as well they want you to be able to search and find what it is that you're looking for no other platform is as good or as advanced as youtube is when it comes to the searchability of content so if you are trying to learn anything you can go search it on YouTube. If the thing that you do, the thing that you provide as an expert in your field is something you can teach, which I imagine it is because you're the expert, it's knowledge-based, it's a space of some kind. There's some knowledge that you can impart and give to other people. You can create a video on that. You can make it search-based. It's not the best technique in the world, and we'll talk about that. But if you created a video five years ago and you've been building out content and you've been working, you've been getting better and you've all of a sudden started to take off, which a lot of content creators do. And in fact, I I interviewed Chris Doe and he created content for seven years. He got good traction, but it's only been recently that he's really taken off and his old videos now have tens and hundreds of thousands of views because it's searchable, because it's evergreen, because YouTube as a platform wants to store that and make sure that you're able to watch all of that content later on. As long as it's still relevant, as long as it's still good content, I don't mean good content in the fact that, you know, you have a good microphone or that you have a, you know, good lighting, video, audio, things like that. While those things help, we'll talk about that. It's not necessary. As long as the content value, the actual knowledge, the actual thing that you are sharing is valuable, that's what really matters. That's what really is going to help people to know you, like you, trust you, do business with you and see you as an expert in your field. You don't have to have uh, a setup like this where, you know, if you're watching, you see the video, you can see I'm able to change angles. I'm able to change a few things here and uh, you don't have to have that. Do I like it? Absolutely. Is it helpful to me? I love it. I really do. So I just want you to know that you don't have to look and sound like a professional on the platform to be able to be considered and to be able to position yourself as an expert. So just know that is something that far too many people get hung up on. In fact, I was working with a TikTok creator and she has a quarter of a million people in her audience. And when we started working together, she was afraid to start on YouTube because she didn't have a bumper, which is kind of that the, the graphic at the beginning where it's kind of a little fancy and honestly, it's not necessary. It, it's just flash. It, it adds zero value at all. Again, she was worried about not having the right camera, not having the right microphone. 
those things are helpful. I will say that spending the time to find at least a decent microphone and a decent camera is absolutely something that's worth your time, but it's not worth stopping you from creating. It's not worth keeping you from giving the value that you have to offer because one thing that I wish I had have done was creative videos sooner with less gear because I would have gotten some of the bad videos out of the way at first when people weren't really watching and I would have been able to practice a little bit more. And so I, I do love some of these platforms that are making it easier to create content with your phone, with your camera, that it doesn't have to be overly polished because it gets you into the mindset and the practice of creating and it's amazing. So YouTube, it is searchable. This The, the content you create and put on there will be able to be found for years and years to come unless you decide to take it down for some reason or make it you know, behind some sort of wall where someone has to have a link for things like that. Uh, the second that you need to be on YouTube is, I was hinting at this earlier, but it's that the content is evergreen. And so what that means is it is all in one place. It's all on your channel. If you were to go on, you know, for example, my TikTok page, I have a lot of quick, short rabbit tips on there. But if you wanted to see a specific one, it would be incredibly hard for you to do that. On YouTube, I have all of my content. There is a little search icon on, and this is only on desktop, but you can search all, you know, a specific topic throughout all of my channel. And if you're trying to learn about a specific topic, you can binge watch all of my content that is on that specific topic. And that is a beautiful thing because, you know, one of the things that I loved in Key Person of Influence is that it, you know, Daniel Priestley says it takes about 11 hours of interacting with someone for them to really decide to do business with you or seven hours, excuse me, and 11 touch points. And so you are going on this journey with someone. If you're watching this live or listening to this podcast, you are spending time with me and I don't know that we'll ever work together. We might interact, but the thing is, if you need the things that I have to offer and if, you know, my services are something that you're considering, spending time here listening to this is helping you to decide whether or not I can actually help you, whether or not you want to have a relationship with me, whether or not these are things that, you know, that you want. And, you know, if you get in seven hours of my content, likely you've felt like the things that I have to offer are helpful for you. If you get in a couple hours and like, eh, I don't want to hear your content anymore. You've made that decision. I haven't had to hop on calls with you and consult with you. It's the same for you. If you are doing that for other people, your content, your videos are able to do that work for you. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to do all of these other things that I feel like are harder. Maybe someone feels like, you know, writing a book is much easier than being on video, but I feel like creating video content or even audio content is something that anyone can do as long as they're willing to put in the time and practice. So, you know, content on YouTube is evergreen. It is bingeable. So I can also create playlists. If I know, hey, there's a specific topic that I want, you know, people come to my channel for, I can create a playlist and you can watch through the entire thing and you can get all of the topics, all of the help that you need on that specific topic. And, you know, it's helpful for you as far as removing the barrier for you interacting with my content. So same for you. If you have a specific thing you teach, create a playlist, maybe make it seven hours long so, one can, so someone can have that interaction with you. I, I don't suggest that, but we'll, we'll, we can get into some tactics that way. But it allows someone who has a specific problem to get it solved by you. There's nothing worse that I've found when I find someone who's an expert and they have an answer to this really obscure thing that really no one else has answered. Then I go to their channel to find more and their channel has nothing to do with it. I feel like I, I found this amazing you know, golden chest and I open it up and there's nothing inside. And we want the people that you work with, the people that you're serving to feel like you are the expert and that you have so much to offer in whatever it is that they need help with. And the last reason that I think you should be on YouTube is it is the one platform that I know of that can provide exponential growth for those who are you know, teaching, those who are experts in those field and those who are offering information at not necessarily a service, but as a way to influence and help people. You know, when your content is on the platform, the longer it's on the platform, the more exposure it gets and the more likely it is to get more views. Now, most of your videos, I would say nine out of 10 are just going to decline and are going to reduce in views. That's, that's totally fine. 100% fine because the one in 10 that do well make up for the other nine out of 10 that didn't do well. And that is an incredible thing to see. I've seen it time and time again, where really I've, you know, I've worked with clients that have, you know, over a quarter of a million subscribers on YouTube. And it's just a handful of videos that carry the entire channel, but they had to create tens and hundreds of videos to get those handful, but those handful do incredibly well and honestly create enough income, revenue, opportunity 
for their entire business. And so it doesn't take a lot and you never know on the, what videos those are going to be or what content that's going to be, but you just keep putting out content to help to, you know, uplift people. That's really the point of this. And so those are a few reasons why YouTube is the best platform. Really quick note here. If you feel like you're not doing well because your subscribers aren't as high as you want them to be, I want to give you one quick note and one quick word of uh, support because I see so many content creators and I say content creators, I've worked with content creators a lot. And so if I say content creators and you're like, Hey, I'm an expert. I, I run a business. I'm not a content creator. If you create content, you are a content creator. Didn't want to burst that bubble for you, but makes it a little easier when I say content creator by accident. So if you are an expert and you are creating content and you have a thousand subscribers on YouTube, what you don't realize is you are in the top 20% of all YouTube channels on the planet. There are 100 million channels on YouTube and you're in the top 20%. So top 20 million. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but at 1000 subscribers, you hit that level. If you're at 10,000 subscribers, you're in the top 10% of all channels on the planet. And so many people, I think it's kind of that the golden number. It's like, Oh, I need a million dollars to be successful and to be okay. And you know, people don't realize what level of income they're requesting. So on YouTube, when you say, oh, channel's not really successful unless it has at least 100,000 subscribers. In the entire world, there are 30,000 channels with 100,000 subscribers. In the US, there's 4,500 that have 100,000 subscribers or more. And so you are requesting and saying, I am only successful if I am the top 0.0045% of all channels. That is not success. That is higher than the 1% of the 1%. That is the elite. You don't need 100,000 subscribers to be successful. I mean, you don't need 100,000 subscribers to have a solid income on YouTube because I have seen channels that had a full-time income. They didn't have a business that they were running. They didn't have anything else providing revenue. It was just YouTube. It was just income from YouTube. And they created a full-time income at like 4,000 subscribers. And I've seen experts use content on YouTube at between five and 10,000 subscribers to make six and seven figures a year. You do not have to have a lot of subscribers. You have to position yourself well. You have to use it to create expertise and authority. And if you'll do that, it will be something that could transform your business uh, because you are the expert. You have done so much work to get to where you are. You know, use something that, that can allow you to have to work a little bit less to get a little bit more. So, all right, some of the top mistakes that I see on YouTube, we're gonna go over a few of these and a couple of these are very granular as far as how tactical they are. Some of these are a little bit more broad and general. And I think I have a list here, but I think I wanna add one really quickly off the top of my head. And that is not approaching YouTube correctly. And you know, I've worked with several different businesses and the content that they create comes from a mindset that that isn't what you need to bring to YouTube. The mindset is, that I'm here on YouTube to get clients, to get business, to produce income, to produce revenue. And so when I'm creating these videos, instead of coming from a mindset of how can I help this person who's probably going to watch my content, how can I provide value? They create commercials. And I've had everywhere from small, medium businesses, all the way up to fortune 500 companies that I've worked with on their channels. And they're like, Hey, here, optimize these videos. So they get more views. And like, I mean, I can do my best, but YouTube, the YouTube is not 2012 anymore, 2015 anymore. This is 2022, 2021, 2020, depending on the year I was working with these clients. And the algorithm's smart enough to know what kind of content you have, who to show it to. And when it does show it, it reads how people interact with it. And so while I can optimize the title, the tags, the description, I can do everything in my power to get it shown in front of people. If someone clicks on that video, sees it's an ad, watches two seconds and leaves YouTube, even though I've done it, everything I possibly can will say, people don't like this video. We're not going to suggest this video. So what might still pop up in search, meaning most content creators and you know people on the platform optimize their videos for search to get found, which can work, but you need to graduate past that if you really want to grow on YouTube. So if someone searches something related, they might find that video, but YouTube, instead of working for you, is now working against you. And 70% of all views on YouTube come from YouTube's recommendations and suggested videos. And so you are literally, and it's not quite 80, 20 in this circumstance, but you're focusing on the 20% or the 80% of things that give you 20% of your results. And that is not where you want to be. You want to be able to work on the 20% of things that give you 80%. And one of those things that you have to do in order to get there is to get YouTube to suggest your content. 
And that means you need to create good, valuable content. You need to create value. You need to give, you need to serve. You, you cannot try to take from YouTube or from your audience and expect that YouTube will grow and will suggest your content. I love the, the comments that we've got going on here. Uh, surf first, get paid later. I love that. And we have some uh, targets to chase. And I, I would say your first target for subscribers on YouTube, get that first 100. Just focus on the small numbers first, because if you have 100 people that you're serving, that tells YouTube that there are good things going on. You can do some customization there, go for a thousand. And honestly, I would say don't set your sights on a hundred thousand. Don't unless you want to become a full-time content creator, which you might. Set your long, long-term goal, no higher than ten thousand, because ten thousand is top ten percent. That that is elite. That is incredible. So don't push yourself too hard. Because if you say, oh, ninety-nine thousand to go, it's a long road. It's a long road, and you're not going to be happy doing this. And YouTube should be something that's definitely enjoyable. All right. So let's talk about a couple of things to to help you with. You know, the mistakes that you can avoid. The thing that I see most often is that, you know, this expert, this business person, this business is already creating content somewhere, whether that's on LinkedIn, whether that's on less commonly, but has been very effective. TikTok, you know, I've actually gotten several five figure contracts from TikTok. TikTok is great, but I see a lot of different content being created on other platforms where the minimum level of, you know, production isn't nearly as high as it is on YouTube. Now, do you need Again, do you need something that looks like this? We're able to have multiple camera angles and, and have it look really good and have the sound very professional. No, you do not. But what you do need to do is understand that how good your video sounds will determine if people stay on or not. How good your video sound or looks will affect it a lot less. But the thing is you can use your smartphone. You can use the back camera. If you get the lighting right, it will actually, you know, my first 60 videos were shot on an iPhone, but I had good lighting and I, I learned a couple of techniques, a couple of things that improved my video quality substantially. And you need to put that time to make it look a little bit better. It, it doesn't need to be a ton better. You're not a cinematographer. You're not trying to make videos for a living. You just need to look good enough and sound good enough that when you're trying to hop over this barrier of you know, people's defenses of, I, I don't trust you. I don't know you. Like, why do you think you can help me? You're saying you're an expert, but I, why should I believe you? If you look and sound professional, automatically that first impression is this person is good at what they do. I, I don't know anything about them yet, but the, the first, that, that first introduction to you, that first impression that you've made is one, same thing with, you know, in business and I, business is changing obviously, but if you wear a suit, if you wear, if you're very well put together, that first impression is good. Now, in some instances, you know, wearing a suit nowadays might make it so that people don't hire you because they are more relaxed and they are less. But having that impression and having that persona about you that I am a professional and that no matter what I do it well, that helps, that helps a ton. Is it a game changer? No, because now you've just made sure that there's no extra barriers and it's still up to you to create content to help these people. But if you don't take a little bit of time and maybe spend a little bit of money to get that right and I've talked about my studio before. You don't need anything close to what I have here, but what you do need is just a little bit, just a little bit to look good. So we, we don't want to add extra barriers. So that's one of the mistakes that I also see is not paying attention to that because even for free, you can make your videos look and sound better. You don't have to spend money. All right. So let's hop into a little bit of a couple of granular tips that I see and, and maybe how to fix them. So on YouTube, the most important top two, most important thing as far as you know, getting views, getting YouTube to recommend your content is one, getting the click. So people use the term clickbait and they think, oh, that's a terrible term. It is only if you don't deliver on what baited that click. And so when you bait a click, you know, you think of your thumbnail there, there's a picture that is enticing people to do more because the human brain processes images, processes pictures, processes people's faces way faster than it could ever process any kind of words. And so the first thing that people are looking at when they search are thumbnails. And if your thumbnail doesn't stand out, if it's too noisy, if it's too busy, if it has too many words on it, if the words are too small to be able to read on a phone, which is, you know, something is huge, people aren't going to click. And so one of the things that I see is, and you do want to be able to have a recognizable thumbnail, recognizable style, recognizable something. And so, for example, in my thumbnails, I have a couple of pictures, a couple of kind of silly pictures that I took that I reuse over and over. Should I take more pictures? Yes, it would be super helpful, but 
very busy, had a lot of things going on. And so, you know, there are a couple where I'm just kind of pointing over and I have a weird face on, maybe I'm pointing up. I, I pointed a bunch of different ways. I did, I did a couple of things there so that I have an image of me that I can remove the background and I have a couple of apps that make this really super easy. So if you're like, I don't know how to use Photoshop, I don't either, that's okay. I, I pay for, I think it's like $5 a month for an app that you click this little button says magic, removes the background for you. You can slide things around like, my thumbnails take me maybe two or three minutes and I make sure that in the thumbnails there's no more than three to five words sometimes a little bit more I wouldn't do it though five minutes max or five five minutes five words max in order for people to see it you know I edit my thumbnails on my f smartphone because I know people are going to see it on their smartphone and so if I edit it on my on my nice and MacBook and you know my large 16 inch screen it looks a little bit funny but on my phone because a couple of things you best practices, you want to up the saturation just a little bit on the thing that you want to pop. You want to up the contrast and, you know, change some things and maybe outline it so that it pops a little bit. And if you do those things, you're drawing attention. This is, it's psychology, it's marketing, it's, this is not art. I mean, it is an art and a science, but this isn't about the art. This is about what do I need to do to capture someone's attention? What is the psychology behind how this thumbnail works? And so, you know, my best thumbnails, you know, one example is when I talk about a product, the, pr you know, I have noticed that just product videos actually work better. I, I do have some tools to allow you to AB test thumbnails, which is an advanced tactic, but the point is here that I need to show what the video is about. I need to get the click. And so when, for example, I did a video on my MacBook, I had me in the picture. I had a box of the MacBook. I was pointing at it. I was looking at the camera so you can see my eyes because eyes are important they make your face really big and I'm, I'm directing the attention to what is the most important thing. And so if your thumbnails aren't doing that, if I can't look at your thumbnail without your title and without reading the words, unless there's five or less words, if there's five or less words, I'll let you slide. But if there's more than that, and I can't tell what your video is about without reading it, it's not a good thumbnail. It's not going to bait someone to click because I can't tell if it's going to answer my question or not. You know, maybe what that means is if you're interviewing someone, because you know, we are talking about, you know, positioning yourself as an authority, Maybe you have your face and you have your guest face on there. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of the show. If you are, please leave a rating for the show. You don't have to write a full review. If you can take two seconds really quickly, hit that five star. If you've gotten that amount of value out of it, I would really appreciate it. Also, if you know anyone who could benefit from this show, it would mean the world to me if you could share this with them. Go ahead, pause the show right now, send them a quick text. I would really appreciate it. Fanny, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you here. So maybe in that thumbnail, you have the two people's faces and then you have a couple of words that let the viewer know what the video is about, but it doesn't confuse as far as, you know, too many words. Like, like we said before, I, I'm trying, I wish I had the exact number, but it, it is milliseconds, maybe like 150 milliseconds, I think, to be able to process a picture, a face, something like that. Words, it's a couple of seconds. I have to read the words. I have to then understand the words. You do not want the words to be the thing that is trying to entice people to click. And so your thumbnail needs to be bright. I know some of us, we don't, we don't want bright flashy colors, but it stands out and it catches people's attention. And the elements of that thumbnail need to allow me to understand what's going on. Then I click on it and actually the process isn't, I don't click, I, I don't click on it. I'm scrolling and I see you're capturing thumbnail. It's bright, it's simple. I can tell what the video is about. I'm like, huh, okay, cool. That might be the answer to my question. That might be the answer to something I need. And then I'm gonna read your title. And your title should not be reflected in both your thumbnail and the title because if that like you're wasting real estate as far as the space that you have to show someone then i read your title and if it is a optimized for search title it can work it can get you found in search that's i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm saying that's not the best thing you know good better best that's a good thing and if i can't tell what your video is about from the title again that's also bad so you know i did a video on the fujifilm xh2s this is a camera that i'm really excited for i, I nerd out over and it's not always the most exciting to people but those for who are searching for it it is exciting and so the first title that i made was search based you know it was the fujifilm xh2s versus the xs10 both cameras that i have you know which is the best camera for youtube in 2022. that title very optimized for a computer and if you saw it Maybe you'd heard of the Fuji camera and you're like, I, I don't know if I really care to click on that. Like, unless you've searched it specifically, you're like, I don't know. That's not super interesting to me. However, the other title that I'm testing on it is Fujifilm just might've made the best camera for YouTube. It's like, oh, 
Interesting. Okay. Now you, you piqued my interest. People can still find this. They can find best camera for YouTube. That'll still pop up. Fujifilm. I didn't put XH2S, but it's in the description. It's in the other places that it needs to be for search. And so is it going to pop up as often in search? Probably not. But if I get more people clicking on it because I have hooked you in psychologically, it's going to get more views. And so that's what you need to do with your titles and your thumbnails. They need to complement each other, not copy each other. And they need to do their respective jobs. Thumbnail's job is to catch attention and very quickly tell the story what the video is going to be about. And then the, the title is to, to finish the job. Come in and close, make sure that they know what they're getting themselves into, but you've left them intrigued. You left them wanting more. You've left them feeling like this is the right video. I need to click on this. I need to understand what you're talking about because I do need a better camera for YouTube. But I, why is the Fuji, why did Fuji make the best camera? What's up, what about it makes it the best camera? No, I, I don't know. And so even if you're not interested in the Fujifilm X-H2S, which I'm guaranteeing no one watching this is because it's a very nerdy topic, you might just be interested in learning why it's the best camera for YouTube. So mistake number one, I guess number two, because I added one, is not baiting the click, not getting the click, not spending the time on your thumbnails and your titles in order to get people to click on your video. Now, the next thing here is once you have worked on, that's the first thing I would work on. Focus on your thumbnails and your titles, get those working and operating to the best of your ability. And you can go into your YouTube analytics. That's a little bit deeper than we can go here, especially where this is both a video and audio podcast. Maybe I'll do a live Q and A or something like that, where we can dive into analytics and see how to tell if your thumbnails and your titles are working well. If you're listening to this, we do have people asking questions. One of the questions I do want to address because this is very pertinent to what we're talking about is can you try one title for a few weeks and then switch to another title? Yes. And no. So what I would do is actually, I do have a strategy that I would use. I wouldn't switch your title right away. If you're a new channel, this likely doesn't apply to you, but when you first release a video, it gets a lot of views faster than it does later on. But there are some tools that I use that allow you to AB test titles, thumbnails, metadata, all different things. And so the software, you'll program it and never test more than one variable at a time, you know, scientific protocol. Like a, you, if you change too many variables, variables. You don't know what did what. And I, I do recommend testing thumbnails first, but this the software will test one title for 24 hours and then swap and it will alternate. You can set a standard amount of time that you want it to go, or you can say, just run this until it's statistically significant. And for those of you that haven't been in math for a long time, essentially what that means is there's enough data there to know that with 95% confidence, they can say 95% sure that this one, whichever version works better. And then it allows you to decide. And for me, I always pick whichever one works better. And do I always wait till it's 95%? No, because I've been doing this long enough. I can tell, I can see. And then the data shows me, it's like, oh, we're 80% confident. I'm like, I can see why. Let's just stop there and be good. But yeah, you can absolutely switch those. Um, TubeBuddy is the tool that I use for that. You do need a certain level of software. And honestly, maybe I should do a training on that sometime. But yeah, you can absolutely test. And I, I recommend you test a lot. You're going to hear from some people, and this is their opinion. I have mine. Testing that isn't great because it's going to drop your video out of search. Well, you're going to come to find out, and I've hinted at it multiple times, 70% of views come from recommended. So if I can move my video from search to recommended, I don't care that I'm losing out on 30% of views because I'm getting 70%. I'm getting, you know, over 200, you know, 100% more, 200 and what, 20% increase in views if I'm able to swap over. And so don't worry about that too much. That, that's my process. That's my opinion. You'll, you'll hear different things, but yeah. So the next thing is you've got action item. If you don't have good thumbnails, if you don't have good titles, if you're not getting enough clicks on your video, which we do need to go over how, you know, how to determine that focus, focus on making better thumbnails, focus on making better titles, focus on improving those things, and then go on to the next thing. The next is the biggest mistake. Number three is you're losing people in that first 60 seconds. And this is probably one of the hardest parts about creating content on YouTube. And one of the reasons why it is so hard to do well is because if you're not keeping people in that first 60 seconds, then I'm going to watch the rest of your video. You've put in a lot of time and a lot of effort to create these videos. And if you've spent equal time on that first minute, as you have the rest of the video, you're not going to get the views you deserve. And so you have to give a disproportionate amount of time to the things that matter most. That first 60 seconds of the video essential. If you've hooked someone in for the first 60 seconds and they're like, this video is going to answer my questions, they'll watch four, five, six minutes, unlike most other platforms. Now in that four, five, six minutes, you need to also give good value if your video is longer than that, but you are, you have to have to have an incredible first 60 seconds. The problem here is that 
this is changing. It really is because of platforms like TikTok, Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, YouTube Shorts. People's attention spans are, I wouldn't say shorter, but we have more information and more content than ever. And so we are more decisive in determining what we will spend our time on and what we won't as far as content goes. Now, we do get sucked into content. We do get sucked into platforms. But the thing here is that we are now because we're making so many decisions, you know, if, if you're watching 220 second videos, like you're just, nope, not a good one. Nope, not a good, like in that first few seconds. And if that is becoming a habit, when you come over to YouTube and you click on a 15 minute video, instead of giving it 20 seconds to really hook you in, you're now giving it 10 or five. And there has to be an incredible amount of value in that first minute to really keep people. So one thing that I see a lot of people doing, you know, a lot of experts interviewing other experts, which is amazing, which is incredible. Part of the problem is they're just taking that live stream and, you know, there's two things here and these slightly granular, but I feel like this will be helpful for you, especially if you interview people or do a podcast of any kind, video podcast, either they live stream it to YouTube, which is great. You know, live streams can get a lot of views and then they just leave it there, which can work, but you have to do a couple things or they're just taking that podcast from their recording from whatever platform they have it on and just uploading as it is. The problem with that is that when you first start that podcast, when you first start get going, it's not super interesting. And you know, that is not a good way to start a YouTube video because someone is, you know, they're giving you five second increments to decide whether they're gonna stay or not. And you know, if my video starts, hey, yeah, let me get this going, gone, totally gone. If you know, you say, oh yeah, hey, welcome. Oh, are you okay? Like checking your audio, doing different things like that, again, gone. And so you do need to do a little bit of, whether that's physically, as far as downloading the file and actually editing it. And you don't have to be a crazy good editor. I'm not asking you to do, you know, effects or color grading or anything complicated. It's, it's literally just cutting off some of the fluff at the beginning, or you need to plan your live stream to make sure that you have a solid intro, you're getting right into the value and that the other thing, well, if you're leaving live stream, you can't do this. We'll give you a tip here in a second, but it just needs to get right into that value. If you're at one minute, you're not already into the value of what the podcast has to offer. People aren't going to listen. And maybe what that means is you spend that first minute you have a really short introduction to your podcast. I, I need to practice this better, but you know, for mine, it would be, you know, welcome to the branding with video podcast where we help you to, I need to write this slogan and practice it. So I, I, I have some work to do. I'm rebranding everything. Bear with me, but we're, where we help you to use YouTube to position yourself as the expert in your hop right into the value. You know, today we are talking about why you need to be on YouTube in 2022. If you want to succeed as an expert, because without YouTube there are, it's going to be incredibly hard to get, to get the success that you're looking for. We're going to talk about the top five mistakes that people make on YouTube and how to fix them so you can get more views, you can get more clients, and you can build your business faster. And then we're going to give you a couple of action items to make sure that you are making progress and that you are able to become the expert in your field that you would like to be. You know, I've spent 20 seconds up front and I, I cause maybe I have an ex, maybe I have someone I'm interviewing. And so I want to give them an introduction, but if I hop right into that slow introduction, I don't care typically, you know, if I'm searching YouTube video, unless I know that expert, which I've worked with channels that have built their audience off of the backs of other experts, it doesn't go well. It really does not because you're overshadowed by those experts. And the only reason someone's watching your channel is to hear that expert speak. And so they don't come back for other videos unless you do very specific things. And so, you know, you want to make sure that before you introduce that person, they know, and you've spent the first 20 seconds just here is exactly what you're gonna get from this podcast episode. So if you don't care about X, Y, and Z, this is not the right video for you. If you do care about X, Y, and Z, you're gonna really miss out if you switch off of this content. So you need to make sure that's there. You need to make sure that you're giving value that way because if you'll do that, you're going to help so many more people and you're going to get a lot more value out of spending your time, effort, money, all those things on creating YouTube content. So that first 60 seconds, if you're not going to edit it, if that's not in your realm, if you don't want to hire an editor, make sure that you're planning a lot more in that first 60 seconds that you're really spending time focusing on planning that content. So that's the number four mistake that people make, or number three, excuse me, is losing people in that first 60 seconds, not really focusing on it. All right. So I, I talk a lot longer than I think I do because it's already been over 40 minutes that we've been going and I wanted to be 30 minutes and we're about two thirds of the way in. So next thing, we're going to talk about these two last mistakes rapidly because these are later on. We've kind of gone in order of 
what you need to focus on first. So if you haven't gotten down the fact that you're actually focusing on who you're talking to and giving them value, if you're focusing on your thumbnail as far as getting a click because you are giving a story, you are showing people that they're clicking on the right thing, and then your title is optimized for people and their psychology and not for a computer algorithm, if you haven't focused on those things, you've got a lot of work to do first. <laughs> These next two mistakes are things that you can work on after you've gotten those down. But the second thing is not focusing on the content quality. And what I mean by that is not the production. You know, that is one thing that we've talked about and we'll talk about here again in a second because that is the fifth mistake, but not focusing on what is the actual value of this content. You know, too many people will say, okay, well, I'm going to give value, but I'm going to save my best behind paid walls. I'm going to, I'm kind of give you a, a teaser, but you're not really gonna get value from my content. And you know, 20, 30 years ago, that worked because information was not readily available. You had to pay to get information. Today in the world of the internet, social media, information is everywhere. Literally, you can learn how to do anything any other expert has done for free. Now, will it take you a long time to do that? Probably. Is it going to take an incredible amount of time to you know, construct and put together all of the things in here? Absolutely, because you know, you are, you're having a hard time knowing exactly what order to do it in. You need to focus on keeping people's attention. But if you are, if you aren't focused on giving value and giving information for free and not charging for it, how are people going to trust you? If you give me information, say a 15 minute video, I go try it and I get results instantly. I'm going to have other issues and I have other problems and other things that I need to be able to solve. And you've answered it for me. You've given me some results. You've improved you know, the things that I'm doing and the effort that I'm putting in immediately. And so that's part of why I give some of this advice. That's why I spent so much time on, here's how to improve your thumbnails. Here's how to improve, you know, the beginning of your video. Because I know that if you just go and spend an extra 20 minutes on a couple of thumbnails, you're going to get better and you're going to trust me more and you're going to come back because information is, is so readily available. It's so free that there's no, no reason for you to to gate it, to guard it, because you're going to push people away. What you should charge, and you know, Daniel Priestley in his book talked about this, is you really charge for the implementation. Because, sorry, if someone, if I go over and I, I share, you know, three hours of information with you, and you're the type of person who's going to go figure this out on your own, you are going to spend a lot of time and waste a lot of potential earning opportunities to learn the things that I already know and the things that I could already fast track for you and help you with. You know, you know, there are, and I, I don't want to bring too many products into this, but you know, I have the YoLive Pro box here, which most of the time right now, because I'm in the studio, I use it as a switcher. But the thing here is that say you have a conference going on, say you have an event going on and you're like, I, I want to live stream this. I want to put this on my LinkedIn. I want to put this on my YouTube. How do I do this? Well, I'm going to need to hire someone. I'm going to need to buy this and buy that and do that. Like if I don't want to hire someone. I need all these things. What you don't know is that there's a solution example for this, it will live stream from anywhere so long as there's either SIM card, Wi-Fi, or Ethernet. It will connect four video sources. It'll connect multiple audio sources. You, like literally, you don't need, you could just live stream from it without a computer. You don't need those things. And so for me, doing what I do, I know that's a solution. The thing here is you don't know that's a solution. So you might think, oh, I need to buy a computer. I need to buy an, like, you need to buy this a massive amount of equipment and travel with that massive amount of equipment. So just this little tiny box. So... Is that a weird example? Yeah, yeah, it might be. But the point that I'm, I'm making here is that someone who wants to do it themselves is gonna go try it anyway. Maybe they can't afford you anyway and they wouldn't be the best person to work with because they're the type of person that wants to figure it out themselves. Those who truly will make good clients, good partners, good people to work with, aren't going to, like they're gonna hear everything you're saying and they're gonna say, you know what you're talking about, could you, can I hire you for this? And one of the best examples, and this it's been shared many times, I don't know where the origin of this is, but there was you know a real estate agent that put on a seminar, charged a few hundred dollars to say, hey, I'm gonna teach you literally everything you need to know how to sell your house. I'm gonna give you all the documents, the process, everything, start to finish. And at the end of it, she had about a third of the people come up and ask to hire her to sell her house. And she's like, I am beyond confused. You paid a few hundred dollars to learn how to do this yourself and save money, and now you wanna hire me. And they're like, you know, the sentiment was, this is a long process. There's a lot to it. And you clearly know this incredibly well because you were able to explain it to me in a way that made sense. And I feel like if I wanted to put the time and effort into doing it, I probably could, but I'm not going to do it as well as you are. And so I want you to be the person who represents me and the person that does the service for me. That is absolutely where you want to be. If you give information away for free, if you do your very best to help 
just because you want to help people, just because you have a mission that you are trying to, to accomplish, you know, an impact that you're trying to make, you're going to find a lot more success because people will view you as the expert in that space. So we do have one more mistake. And then I have another thing I want to touch on really quickly that I feel like is also a mistake. But the last one, you know, mistake number five is not taking time for production quality. Does this mean you need to buy a very expensive microphone? No. Expensive camera? No. Expensive switcher? Yolo Live Pro? No. Is it helpful? It can be. Depends on your needs. Depends on what you want. But don't let that stop you. Don't let that keep you from getting going right up front. And so, you know, what I mean when I say not taking time, notice I said time for production quality, not money for production quality, is you can absolutely set things up better. So for example, if you are using your webcam to be able to record you, your computer, one thing you can do, Elgato has Epoch Cam is the app. I'm sure there are others. That's the one I use. It'll turn your phone into a webcam. And so I can use any one of these three cameras that are so much better than the webcam on my computer. So if you're saying I don't have money to spend, $6. And actually there's a free version. It just won't let you use like, I think 1080p or 4k or something like that. So you can turn your phone into a webcam, $6 inexpensive. That will elevate how good your stuff looks. You can turn off overhead lights and have lights coming from the side or a window light. If you don't want to spend money, that will give you a much better look. And so there are several things this way where you just need to spend the time to learn what it takes to have better looking footage. You know, maybe you're using the microphone on your MacBook or your laptop. Terrible idea because it's not going to sound good. It's going to pick up a lot of different things. It's going to say, I have so many different microphones. Yeah. Swing this guy around having the right style, the right type of microphone can make a difference. So this guy right here, I'm not going to switch to it. I do some shows where I talk about microphones. I switch multiple times. This is a dynamic microphone. So if I were to switch with this, I would have to talk really close to this because it rejects so much noise everywhere else that, you know, it it's perfect for podcasting. This on the other hand, I have my room treated. I have about a thousand dollars worth of sound treatment in this room because I wanted to sound good. It's hard wallet, hard wood floor, hard walls, hard everything. It sounds terrible before we treated it. This microphone sounds phenomenal, but it only sounds phenomenal because we've done that sound treatment. So there are other types of microphones that you can get that you don't need to treat your room that you don't need to worry about. I mean, it'll still pick it up a little bit, but if you have kids playing in the background, animals, dogs, like you're working from home, you're recording from home, it will block out so much of that. But the thing is you need to spend the time to figure out what that is or work with someone you know, hire someone to set up your studio. Like, is that excessive? Is that silly to spend money to pay someone to set things up for you? I don't know. Like, did you pay someone to set up your LLC? Did you pay someone to do your taxes? Do you pay, like, do you pay lawyers to do those things? Like these are professionals. They're very good at their job and that's why you pay them. So if you're going to be creating content over the long haul, if you're going to be creating a YouTube channel in order to position yourself as an expert in order to build your business and, you know, make you the expert in your field, you need to look and sound the part. And so spending a few hundred dollars, even a few thousand dollars between everything, in my opinion, is worth the investment. And it is an investment. I think if you're trying to be an expert in your field, you know this, like these are write-offs. These are investments in your business. It's not a cost for me. You know, I have multiple cameras. I have a dozen microphones. I've got, I work with a lot of brands and so I'm testing different products. I'll have probably by the end of this week, I'll have 20 microphones. Do you need 25 microphones? No. If I were to go buy another microphone in my pocket, that's an expense. That's unless I'm somehow, and for me, I would because I can make content, but I can turn it into investment by making it make me money. It's just a cost. I already have a microphone. Point I'm trying to make here is that if you need something to make you look more professional and to get you more business, it's not a cost, it's an investment. So make sure you invest wisely. And sometimes that means investing in someone else's wisdom and knowledge to get you set up, to get you the right for your budget, for your needs. So that is that's something that you need to make sure you do. That was mistake number five is spend a little bit more time on the production quality and really making sure that you look the part as the expert in your field. So I think we'll stop there as far as mistakes go, because we're, we're approaching time. I'm going to stay over because we have action items and these are the most important part of these solo podcast episodes. What are you going to do? What are you going to change? What do you need to focus on most? And if you focus on those things, what's the result going to be? And so I want to make sure that we talk about a couple of these really quickly. The first thing, practice your thumbnails. And we already mentioned this. If nothing else, first practice your thumbnails because it's this process. I have, you know, 
a mastermind group that I'm a part of. They are all agency owners. I'm part of an agency, a chief social media officer at an agency. And we were working on building another agency, but I've got a lot going on. So we've paused that for now. It'll be another project we work on here in a little bit. But you know, in that mastermind, one of the things that I love is you know, the person leading it, when I bring up problems, he's like, okay, what's the issue? I'm like, well, we're right here. It's like, okay, so the only issue your business has, the only issue your agency has is that one problem. And that's because none of the other problems after it matter unless you've solved the problem at first. And so, you know, one example might be, I don't have enough clients. Okay, well, do you have enough leads? Yes, no, I don't have enough leads. Okay, well, then your problem is a leads problem. You need to market, you need to network, you need to do something to add more leads because you only have a leads problem. Now, if you have enough leads, but you don't have enough clients, maybe what you have is a follow-up problem or a retention problem or a closing problem. Like there's so many other things, but you need to, you have one problem at a time because nothing else matters until you get past that problem. It's like rungs on a ladder. And on YouTube, your biggest problem is first getting people to click on your video. And so if you don't get people to click, you have either a thumbnail, a title, or a thumbnail title combo problem. You have a clicking problem. People are not clicking your videos. And so you need to practice your thumbnails. You need to practice, you know, those titles, get that down and collect data. That is one of the reasons I love TubeBuddy, you know, the, the tool that we talked about earlier for those of you listening to the podcast, for those of you watching this on YouTube, I'm going to put a link down in the description for TubeBuddy because it's one of my favorite tools. And I should, I did do a video on some tools like this. I'm going to do another one on TubeBuddy because I feel like there are things you need to know to really to really succeed. And TubeBuddy is one of those things that can absolutely help. So practice your thumbnails. Tip number one. Action item or tip number two, two, is to practice your hooks 10 times. And what I mean by that is there's a couple of channels that I really love. They're very granular. If you like really digging into the nitty gritty of YouTube, you can go follow them. There are a few. Channel Makers is one. Daryl Eves, Roberto Blake. There's a lot of different ones. But one of the videos that I watched, he dug into all the data on videos that had really good views and retention and like how long people were watching the videos and those that didn't. And the difference was in the hooks. And what that means is that first 15 seconds, and it wasn't necessarily the content of the hooks or even how many, you know, one of the things that people think is, oh, well, in that first 15 seconds, I need to have B-roll or, you know, footage from somewhere else. I need to cut multiple times. I need to change it. It needs to be high energy and, you know, just entertaining and, and all the things, super, super extra. Can that help? Yeah, absolutely. But the most important factor that this, you know, creator coach found was how many cuts were in that footage, meaning not how many times you put B-roll, not how many times you, you change things. But if you have that first 20 seconds and it kind of jumps and it's a little clippy because you weren't succinct and you weren't confident and you weren't able to deliver that first 15 seconds of your video well, it, and I feel like this is very pertinent to being the expert in your field. It looked like you're a bit amateur. It looked like you didn't really know what you were talking about. And so if you can have one, it doesn't have to be one take every time. That's the goal. One take as far as the clip at the beginning of your YouTube video is all in one, one video, one length. You're not having to cut anything out. If you practice five times your hook before you record it, even 10 times, if you want, I think 10 times would be better because you're going to get it down a little bit better. And then I want you to to record it five different times. Because the thing that I've noticed here is that one, sometimes I'll change it because I won't read it exactly. Sometimes I have a different take. And after I've thought about it 15 times, I have a different thought I want to convey. The other time is sometimes my pacing is a little bit off in one of my takes or my intonation on a certain word, how much I emphasize a certain part of the intro kind of feels off. I'm like, like it just, there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't feel excited about the content coming up next for some reason. I don't know why. If you, your gut says, hey, I don't know if I'd be excited to keep watching, it's probably not the best take to use. So if you have five takes to use, now this doesn't apply for live videos. Like those, you're just gonna have to practice. So practice, practice those hooks and try to get that in one take. You can absolutely throw B-roll in that first 10, 15 seconds. In fact, I recommend it, but you do need to make sure that you feel confident when you're watching that. And it's going to get better, I promise. The, the first videos that you make, you're not going to feel like they're great. You're not going to feel like they're your best work. They aren't. If you can't look back every six months and look at your videos and say, oh my goodness, like this is, I'm so much better now than I was. You're not growing fast enough as a content creator. And you know, that is anyone creating content. You as the expert business owner, person watching, doesn't matter. If you are creating content, you are a content creator. That's my view. Yeah. You can agree or disagree with me. 
but you need to learn how to engage people in that first 15 seconds. And then if you can hook them that first 15 seconds, you have another 45 seconds to hook them. And you still, that, that first 60 seconds, if at 60 seconds, 70% of people are watching your video, that is a very good sign that video is gonna do really well. That's what I want your benchmark to be. This is not an easy benchmark. It really is not. You're gonna be like, oh, that's not bad. Then you're gonna go look at your YouTube analytics and be like, oh my goodness, how am I gonna do this? This is impossible. It's not impossible, it's a good goal. And there actually have a video that I did on Evan Carmichael. He's got like eight, eight million on YouTube. I need to look. He's coming on the show. We'll interview him here in a couple, I think it's middle of next month maybe. But his thing and one of the tips that I, I got from him was at 70%, if you have or at one minute, if you have 70% of people still watching, that is a really good sign that that video is gonna do well. And so that should be your goal. At one minute, 70%. Now the cool thing here, and this is just kind of a, a tip for you, is that the longer your video is, the less average watch time you need to have. And what I mean by that is for YouTube, it catalogs and categorizes everything by topic, by length, by a lot of different things. It has so much data, which is amazing, but it also makes things hard. And so if you have a three minute video, I should probably pull up the stats and give you accurate numbers on this, but the average watch, like per, it, you go into your analytics, you'll see how long someone, what percent wise of the video someone watched. The average at a three minute video, I believe is something like 60%. And if you wanna to be top 10%, top, you know, that tier, it's like 80, 85%, 83%. It is, it's a lot if you want to be, and you wanna shoot for top 10%. You can hit all the time, no, you're really not, but it's a good goal. If you're at, I think it's five to eight minutes, it drops from like 80 to 83% down to, I think it's in the low 70s. And then again, when you go from five to 10 minutes, it goes from low 70s to like low 60s. When you go 10 minutes to 15 minutes, it is 50% completion. And when you go longer, it's 49%. So think about this for one second. For YouTube to say, hey, this is a good video and we're going to recommend it at a 10, to 15 minute video, so let's say 12 and a half, perfect length, you need a 50% completion rate to be doing well. Big feat to get the average pe average person that watches your video to watch for at least six minutes. Yeah, yeah it is. But it's a lot easier to get someone to watch half of your video than it is to get someone to watch 80% of your video, 85% of your video. <laughs> because here's the thing, you, you might think, oh, well if I make a six minute video, I'll get 100% completion because it's half of a 12 minute video. That's not necessarily the case. So we do, I need, I have done a couple of live streams on this, but really quick tip. You need to understand the psychology or the frame of mind that someone is coming to your content with. And so if I see a 15 minute video, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna say, okay, how much of those 15 minutes am I going to watch before I decide they're not gonna answer my question or not? It's a lot more than a three minute video. If I've gotten a minute into a three minute video and I haven't gotten huge value, I'm like, this is not worth, this is not worth my time. I'm not gonna watch this. Like, I, why would I watch this? And so the thing here is that it's not about the length of the video. It's about how the person is interacting with it. You know, I used to use the example of, think of your favorite TV show. If you watch something like Shit's Creek, it's 15 minutes each episode. You're, you're committed to 15 minutes. Now, if it's suddenly turned on and aside, for, aside from like super fans, that people that just really don't wanna see it, if it was a two and a half hour movie, for that one episode, you'd be like, whoa, I did not, I, I, I didn't show up for this. This is not what I committed to. This is not, I agreed to, I'm clicking off. I'm not watching this. And so understand what people are coming to. If you have a huge problem that you are solving for someone, they're going to spend more time, especially depending on how costly that problem is for them. They're gonna spend a lot more time on your content than they would something that is just kind of, and so, you know, I, if, I'm trying to think. For example, I have a question. It's a highly technical question. And I asked a large creator and it sounds like he's gonna make some content. I hope he answers my question, but I've watched probably 20 hours of YouTube videos trying to answer this one question because it is that valuable to me. No one has answered it. No one. If you did a three hour live stream talking about this one question, I would watch the entire live stream multiple times. The problem is no one has created that content. And so that's part of the reason why. I would watch hours and hours on this question. Now on a review on a product, say I'm looking to buy, and this is a not super expensive pen, but it's a fairly nice, decent pen. Most people would not spend this amount of money on a pen. But if I'm looking to review this and see if I should buy this, it's not a huge expense, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Is that a lot for a pen? Sure, but for, you know, I really enjoy this pen. Worst case, I make a bad decision, I send it back. I'll watch a 10, 20 minute video, that's fine. I'm not gonna watch a three hour video, sorry. I don't care how much you convince me. I am not watching a three hour video on a pen. 
that's not my thing. I, just convince me quickly. It's a review. Like, I, I don't want to know everything about it. I don't want to know where the metal source I don't like. You'd have to just talk about things I don't care about to make that video. Five to 10 minute video, you can talk about how to write. So you can talk about the weight. You can talk about the quality. Like, and that'll convince me to buy. Great. That's a great way to use YouTube. It honestly is. Like, if you have, we're getting a little off topic, but now I have a, a thought for the next podcast episode. If you have a service business, you, you sell digital products, you sell services, you sell books, you speak, whatever it is that you do. And there are service, other services, other products that you use that help make your job easier. That if you're sharing tips with someone would make their job easier. Like for example, earlier when we had a question come in about how to AB test and I, I talked about TubeBuddy, I can then make a video on TubeBuddy and I can use an affiliate program for TubeBuddy and I can make extra money just because I gave extra value and extra knowledge about a tool that I already know, like, and trust and use every day. It doesn't take extra. And I've leveraged now time to make more money. So there's so many things like that. All right, so make your hooks better. That was the whole point of that. <laughs> Hook people in for that first minute. And, you know, that bonus tip at the end of that, understand the frame of mind people are coming to your content with and create content for that person. The length does not matter as far as, like, there's no perfect video length. 12 and a half minutes is not a perfect video length. Now, do I think it's easier to get favor from YouTube if you're in that 10 to 15 minute range? Absolutely. That said, if it, if it doesn't make sense for your content, don't make 10 to 15 minute videos. Make whatever makes sense for you and the person you want to talk to. The last actionable tip, quick tip, these aren't, these haven't been quick. I apologize. <laughs> Improve your sound. Whether that means buying a microphone, whether that means treating your room, whether that means finding a different space to record in, whatever that means, improve your sound. I, I honestly do not care if, you know, we talked about quick hack, use your phone as a webcam, it will look so much better. You don't have to do that. I would recommend it, but you don't have to. If nothing else, if you spend money on nothing else, spend money to improve your sound because people will watch a wonderful sounding video that looks terrible much longer than a terrible sounding video that looks incredible. You ideally, you want them to match, but they don't have to, as long as the sound is good enough for people to listen for a long time. Because especially with these long videos, this, I mean, this is a video and audio podcast. So likely if you're watching on YouTube, I bet you're not watching on YouTube. You're, you don't want to see my face. You're, you've turned off either you've set your phone down because you don't have YouTube premium or you've paid for YouTube premium and you've turned it off and you're just listening or you're on, you know, some sort of podcast platform and you're just listening and that's okay. That is 100% okay. I, I'm putting out videos because that's what I do. But the thing here is that your sound matters. How good your, like your voice sounds and how long people can listen to you is going to be a huge determining factor in, in your video. So if you're going to spend money on anything, spend it on your microphone, don't go crazy. Like find some videos, ask someone's opinion, go find me on LinkedIn or on Instagram or wherever you want to find me. I'm Zach Mitchum. Also, we are video makers, depending on what platform you're on. I, I will absolutely help you find a best microphone. In fact, let me give you three suggestions right now. If you're like, Zach, I really just need a good microphone. I don't know what to buy. Just tell me what to buy. Okay. The three microphones to go look up. Number one, if you're like, Hey, I want to spend more than a hundred dollars. I'm going to encourage you to spend just a little bit more, just a little bit more because there is um, Samson Q9U is a fantastic microphone if you need to reject noise, if you don't have sound treatment, if you just need a great sounding microphone for really inexpensive, you can get a desk stand for it and you know it'll set up at its USB. It can be XLR, which you need a little bit more if it's XLR. For those of you that don't know what XLR is, you need, you need a little bit more to connect that, but it's USB. And so for $140-ish, you can have a stand and a mic and sound phenomenal. You know, you're saying $140, ouch, sound is worth it, is 100% worth it because people need to be able to listen to you for a long time. Second, we're going up in budget. We're not going down. Sorry that I do not believe in cheaping out on certain things. There are certain things that if you're purchasing them, I, again, I don't think you should go cheap. Don't buy something cheap to halfway fulfill a need. Either don't spend the money or buy the right thing. That's my viewpoint. That, not everyone's going to agree with me on that, but I would like to buy it less and buy better or not buy at all because I, I want it to do exactly what I need it to do. So a lot of the equipment that I use is expensive, but it fulfills its purpose well, and it's a good balance of cost to value ratio. That's really what I go for. So second microphone that I would recommend, if you're going to need a audio interface, which I, I recommend the Wave XLR. It's about $160. So you're already much more expensive than the other microphone, but it'll allow you to get really good sound. I would recommend you take a look at either the Rode Procaster, which I believe is about 
the $180 mark. Dynamic microphone, something you want to look for unless you have sound treatment. Great option. That's one that I would go for. The other one uh, that looks really cool uh, is called the Fin by Heil, H-E-I-L. It is more expensive, 230 bucks or so. I'm not exactly sure. Great looking microphone, great sounding. And the next, if you want to bump up even further than that, I would say go for, if you want this one, this is the blue baby bottle SL. You will need some sound treatment. Heil, I'm actually getting in a shipment from Heil to do some videos. They have a PR40 and it is like the podcast microphone. It sounds absolutely phenomenal. So that is, those are the options that I would look at. And there are a couple of others. If you want to, you can go to my channel. I have a few options and I'll, I'll be doing some more reviews here in the future, but get a good microphone. Those are, those are the suggestions that I think you should look at. But if you don't have good sound, people are not going to watch, but if you want to go listen to some of the past episodes, we have Chris Doe, who is phenomenal at building his business. Also, he has, you know, an audience like 4 million on social media. So we're very good at what he does. If you have questions, connect with me, LinkedIn, love to connect, love to answer your questions. I'd love to make sure that we address anything that you have, you have problems with. So until next time, go make some videos and, and go give some value. Go help someone who needs it. That way you can be positioned as the expert in your field. Till next time, we'll see ya. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you haven't already listened to some of the past episodes, I wanted to give you a couple of options. So here are a couple of guest episodes that you might like. On episode one, we learned how Sev grew to 1.1 million followers on TikTok. Episode three, how to make money streaming on Amazon Live. Episode five, we learned how Chris Doe grew to 2 million subscribers and what he would do if he were starting over in 2022. Episode seven is how an 18-year-old built a five-figure a month business on TikTok. And episode nine is how to grow and monetize your podcast. I hope one of those sounded interesting to you. If they did, I'll see you in the next episode. If not, make sure to go to the show notes and connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know who my next guest should be.